0: And let's open our Bibles, take a deep breath. We ought to be as more enthusiastic than anybody at a football game right now. And uh, it ought to be something inside of us that is excited about the Bible and excited about the Lord. And look, you didn't even have to pay $1,000 for a ticket to come tonight. How you like that? We're just going to charge you $500 on the way out. And uh, so 1 Corinthians chapter number 5, we've started a series in this book of the Bible because uh, we just never covered it verse by verse. And I think it's so rich and has so much in this. And of course, Corinth was a very wicked city. It's outside of Athens, it's in Greece. Coastal town, they had a navy. They had 90,000 citizens in this city. So it was slightly smaller than Fairfield, a little bit smaller than Vallejo. And uh, they had idol worship everywhere. Uh, There was a lot of immorality. It was accepted. So a very immoral town, or uh, uh, what we would call today a very loose town, a Las Vegas, a New Orleans, a Bourbon Street uh, type area. And so this is where God led Paul to start a church. Isn't that amazing? Nineteen years ago when we started that church in Oakland, people said, y'all are starting a church where?" You know how wicked, you know how dangerous that town is, but God wanted a church there. And there was some people to reach in Corinth that only God could save. Paul preached there a year and a half. There was a building erected. They met. I've been in one of those buildings there in Corinth. I've seen the inscriptions uh, where where it had Christian writing uh, from back in the day of Paul And there was a church there. So notice, they had a lot of baggage. And we're going to look at one of the areas tonight. And I hope you'll not turn me off. It's just such an important subject. Such an important subject. Uh, Whether you're a child or a teenager, whether you're married or you're not married, it's the foundation for any good marriage. Every parent wants their kids to have a good marriage. Every friend wants their friend, if they get married, they want them to have a happy marriage. And so we talk about the one subject that would destroy that future possibility or destroy a marriage right now. And this is the word fornication, or we could use the word adultery. Somehow in our society in America, it's acceptable We have Christian football stars and -and so-and-so is a Christian and they're, uh, uh, look, look, they're praying in the end zone and they're living with their girlfriend and expecting their first child and they're not married. So somehow that's become acceptable in our nation, but it's not acceptable to God. And it doesn't matter what we think about it. We need to find out what does God say about this? What does God say about adultery? What does he say about these things? The theme of Corinthians is this, giving God the glory. And anytime immorality seeps into someone's life that claims to be a Christian, it robs God of the glory that he could have. So please don't just turn me off and say, I came here Sunday night to hear this. What in the world? This has nothing to do with me. Do you know how old I am, Pastor? Uh, I asked Tom Malone, who was 86, we were in a restaurant, great preacher, started a Bible college, had a, had a big church in Pontiac, Michigan. And uh, he was in a question and answer session, and someone said, Dr. Malone, how old do you have to be before you stop lusting as a man? Malone was 86. He said, You'll have to ask someone a lot older than me. He was honest. He was saying, I still battle these things, and I'm 86. You say, when does the battle stop, Pastor? When your pulse. We can't find your pulse anymore. And when you stop breathing. This flesh is wicked. It is vile. Uh, The only reason some of us have not crossed certain lines is we were not weak at the time or we never had the opportunity. Any sin could be committed by any one of us under the right pressure, right opportunity, right weakness. And so let's not look down and say, oh, I would never... You know, that's usually the people that do. Have you ever talked to someone? I would never go back. I would, and they, and sometimes they do. So take your scriptures and let's look. I want you to highlight. If you have a pen, maybe mark it down. I'll mark a few things and we'll give you some practical things. It's, uh, it's not just all scripture, okay? 1 Corinthians 5 verse 1, Paul says to this church, it is reported commonly that there is fornication among you. In such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles, that one should have his father's wife. What's he saying? Paul said, you know, I started this church, and I hear there is now someone, prominent, attender, a prominent member uh, who's, who's, who's living in adultery, not only with someone they're not married to, but their father's ex-wife. And he says, this should never be, period, much less in God's house. And so Paul is is pointing out Paul loves them. He led them to Christ. When someone knows you love them, they can take correction. And so Paul gave a lot of correction because he had a lot of love for these people. And then skip down, verse 6. For your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? It just takes a little bit of scent. Verse 9, I wrote unto you in an epistle, notice what he says, not to company with fornicators. People living in sexual sin or participating in premarital sex, extramarital sex, out-of-marriage sex, homosexuality, lesbianism, uh, any type of immorality. He says not to company with fornicators. Verse 10, yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world... Or with the coveted Now he groups them together. He says here's what comes with that. Here's, here's the group. Fornicators, covetous, extortioners. That's thieves. Or with idolaters. Verse 11. But now I've written unto you not to keep company. If any man that is called a brother be a fornicator. Or covetous. Or idolater. Look, he, just, he says look at, look at this grouping. Or a railer. Or a drunkard or an extortioner, that's a thief, uh, uh, with such an one know not to eat. Wow, Paul's coming down. He's, He's not saying we are better than these people who are practicing this sin. He's saying we're not for this. God is against this sin. It is wicked. It is not acceptable. It's a sin. It robs God of glory. And then chapter six, verse nine. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate. Effeminate means men with women tendencies. Men that act like women, men that dress like women, men with women's uh, appearance from a distance. Is that a man? Is that a woman? Uh, Taking on uh, women's clothing, women's jewelry, anything dealing with femininity. He says, nor adulterers, nor effeminate nor abusers of themselves with mankind. Verse 10, nor thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, extortioners. Verse 11, and Paul emphasizes, such were some of you. He says, uh, church, he said that's, that's past. He says, you did that before you got saved. Uh, that's sins you did before you got saved. Uh, you ought to be past that by now. Uh, don't go back to these things. That's what he's saying. And then notice what he says. In verse 13, it, uh, he, he says that word fornication about 10 times in these two chapters. Verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 13, Meats for the belly, and the belly for meats, but God shall destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord. Verse 18, notice this command. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth without the body... Think of sins you can do without your body. Uh, You can gossip. Well, that's your mouth. Uh, You can listen to gossip. Uh, You can can, can lust with your eyes. You can covet. You can want something that's in your heart. You can be bitter. Uh, You can harbor bitterness. You can have a temper. But he says, but this sin is done with the body. And he says in verse 20, for you're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. And in your spirit, chapter seven, verse two. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife. If you can find some woman that wants to marry you, it's not wrong to marry them. Let every woman have her own husband. If you want to get married, that's fine. That's a whole another set of problems. That's what Paul's saying. You got problems before you get married. Then you get married, and then you got it. And that's a whole nother message there. Well, let's pray. I want to just give you several thoughts here tonight. Lord, bless now what is said. Help it to be uh, done in a spirit of love and teaching and warning and and, and uh, uh, encouragement to do right. Help us, Lord. Protect every family in this room, every individual. Anybody in this room could mess up and lose their testimony, and could shame the name of Christ, and could break uh, their family's hearts and uh, start a lack of respect of their kids. So many things could happen. Please help us. We're not dealing with past. We're not dealing with past sin and past mistake. We're dealing with guarding ourselves from now on. So please help in Jesus' name, amen. Several points that Paul is saying here, here they are. Number one, we are not to company with fornicators. It's repeated over and over. That means we're not to hang around people that are practicing sexual sins or living with someone that does not own their wedding ring. We're not to company with them. Uh, Two, it is wicked. That's what God says. Uh, It says it here. Number three, uh, it is associated with other sins. Number four, it is a sin against the body. And then number five, we're to marry if, if we're wanting to marry to avoid fornication. Think of just several names in the Bible for a moment I think of an Old Testament name in the book of uh, uh, Joshua. Uh, her name is Rahab the harlot. So she was called that when the spies came to her house. She must have been a prostitute, but she was well known because even the spies said, Rahab the harlot uh, hid us. And then years later, when, when Joshua conquered Canaan, he said, now don't forget uh, no, no, scripture says, and Rahab the harlot still lives in Israel till this day. So that name, that sin stuck with her. I think of Jezebel in scripture. No one would name their kid Jezebel. And uh, Elijah said, because of thy whoredoms, uh, thy uh, sensual practices, uh, your immorality. So we think of Jezebel. Then we think of Herodias. Uh, this was uh, uh, Philip's wife. And she left Philip and then married King Herod. And John the Baptist pointed out her sin and she had John the Baptist beheaded, but she was living with someone she shouldn't be living with. Let's kind of come down to modern day. Is it addictive? Is sometimes fornication, pornography, adultery, is it addictive? Is it satisfying? Well, it can't be. Modern day. Uh, I looked this up. It's been all over the news. Hunter Biden, in a three-year period, spent $683,000 on women, wow. not buying them clothes, sexual activities, escorts, prostitutes, strippers. 683000 and then there was a lot more on top of that. I guess it doesn't satisfy, does it? It just doesn't satisfy. Satan has always wanted to attack the home. Adam and Eve, they're created. Guess what happens? A snake shows up right away and pretty soon the home is messed up. You say, how come? He's after the kids. A family breaks up pretty soon. Well, I thought dad was faithful and I thought mom was faithful and how come they did this? Well, if it's okay for them, it's okay for us. And then it's the visitation and the kids are trying to lean toward the weaker parent and double standards. It's Satan is after the children. I think of Joseph in Scripture. He's such a great example. If you would for a moment, could you turn there, please, in Genesis chapter 37. Uh, Genesis 37, God says, flee fornication. So that New Testament verse would be found in the life of Joseph, in the life of Joseph. And we see here, excuse me, Genesis 39, Genesis 39, just a, just, just such a hero. A little background to Joseph. Joseph has been sold as a slave by his brothers. So Joseph is no longer around a father figure. He's no longer around his mother. He's no longer around anyone that knows him. He's a slave. He is now working in a a household owned by a man named Potiphar. In fact, the family owned Joseph as a slave. The husband and the wife owned Joseph. So Potiphar, Potiphar's wife, he would have been their slave. They put him in charge of their household, their finances, probably cleaning and business and animals and pets and the other services. Notice what happens. Genesis 39, Joseph is a strong leader. Genesis 39 verse 7. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife, this Potiphar's wife, cast her eyes upon Joseph. He was probably the most handsome specimen of a man she had seen in a long time. Maybe her husband wasn't good looking. He probably bought her back then. The husbands would buy their wife. It wasn't always love at first sight and dating. It was, I'll pay the money uh, to her dad and she'll be my wife. Maybe she was never attracted to him. I don't know, but they were married. It was a commitment. God's always for commitment. She cast her eyes upon Joseph. So as Joseph worked around the house, she'd stare at him. She'd look at him. Let me encourage you. Be careful about looking at someone that's not your mate. And someone that shouldn't be your mate. Oh, he's a good looking guy. Look how hard he works. Oh, man, he's going to make someone a great husband one day. Notice what she does right there in verse 7. She just overtly says, lie with me. Translate, here's the bed. Commit adultery with me. That's what she's saying. And she could have said, you're our slave. You have to do what we tell you. We own you. I'm your master. You know, there's when an authority figure over you tells you to do something wicked or against the scripture, there's always a higher authority. It's called God and God's word. One day in America, they may tell us, you can no longer talk about Jesus. You can no longer name certain sins. It's against the law. Guess what we'll do then? We'll still do it. Why? Because there's a higher authority. And so we see a little further here. How important? Verse 8. But he refused. At some time in your life, there may be someone at work, a neighbor, a relative, someone you know, God forbid, someone at church that casts their eyes on you. And pretty soon it's And guess what Joseph did? No one was around. No one would have known. He refused. She said, and Joseph said, he refused. That's why he's the hero in the story. Look a little bit further. Verse number nine. He said, there's none greater in this house than I, neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee. Uh, I I got a great boss, it's your husband, because thou art his wife, How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Joseph constantly realized, God is watching me. This is not done in secret. This is a great wickedness. I'm not going to sin against my God. I'm not going to do it. When you realize God is watching, it keeps you from evil. Then notice it says, verse 10 and it came to pass as she spake to Joseph, notice this process, day by day. That's where it all starts. He listens to me. She talks to me. Day by day, she talked And she talked and she talked. That's what's wrong with chat rooms. Just telling you. How many times in the last 30 years have I heard, well, I met someone online. I met this person online. They're so nice and they're so sweet and they talk and they uh, have a conversation. You mean they're not afraid to break up your marriage? What kind of great man is that? What kind of great woman is that? They're not afraid to hurt your marriage and let your kids be scattered to kingdom come. It's not a good person. Tell them I said so. Here we go. Day by day that he hearken not unto her, look at this, to lie by her. First she says, get in bed with me. Next she says, why don't you just lay down right here? she's trying to get what she could or to be with her. Joseph said, "I'm not going to be with you. I'm not going to lay down next to you and I'm not going to lay down with you." He was keeping extremes. And then look at this. So he's working one day in the house. She orders everyone out. I'm sure he didn't see it coming. Verse 11 came to pass about this time, Joseph went into the house to do his business and there was none of the men of the house there within. She caught him by his garment and said, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. That's why Joseph, that's why you read 13 chapters about Joseph in the Bible. Because Joseph could have been like everybody else and said, a beautiful woman, I'm lonely, no one will know. But God knew and his conscience knew and the scripture knew. Years later, he is promoted to the prime minister of uh, uh, what country was he in Egypt, and at that point, the king or Pharaoh said, "And by the way, here is your wife. You don't have to pay for this beautiful woman. Here she." He got a wife and a good name at the same time. Amen. I love that. Amen. See, here is the thought with a lot of young people. Well, Pastor, everyone's doing this. Not everybody. The devil has lied to us. Everyone is doing Everyone is immoral. Not everybody. Well, can't you be immoral, be immoral, be immoral, be immoral all through high school and all through college and after college and, and then meet the right one, put on the ring and everything's okay. No, that's not how it works. Because if you can't say no in junior high and then in high school and then in college, a ring doesn't keep you from saying no to somebody else. It is lowering inhibition. It is lowering, uh, lowering character. So we see Joseph. What a great guy. In the Old Testament, there's a story. I want to ask you to turn to it. It's a story of Abimelech. and Abimelech is conquering this town. And the town runs up in a tower. And so Abimelech takes a a tree log and he orders his soldiers. He said, do what I'm doing. Cut you down a tree log. And he comes up and they're going to knock down the tower or burn it down. He brings that log and way up in the top tower is a woman with a big piece of millstone or pottery. Translate, 50 pound piece of cement. A parking curb, if you will. And he looked up and she looked down. It was love at first sight. She dropped it on him on purpose. That thing hit him in the head, knocked him on the ground. I'm sure he could hear her laugh all the way up. And he said, quick, someone take a sword and kill me. So a woman didn't kill me. And What's the thought to that? He got too close to the wall. He got too close to the wall. He got close enough, she could drop that on him. Stay away from the wall. Amen. And let me encourage every young person, every single, per, every married person here tonight, don't get so close to the wall. Don't get so close to people you shouldn't wear they could drop something on you and ruin your life. Amen. So that was Abimelech. We had a family in our church in Louisiana years ago. Uh, As I tell this, if you don't mind turning to 1 Timothy, I'd appreciate it. 1 Timothy chapter 4 for a moment. 1 Timothy chapter 4. And they were, uh, they had all the Christmas presents wrapped. It was just, it was about the week of Thanksgiving. 1 Timothy 4. Not going to embarrass the family. Their last name was McDaniel. He was a tax consultant. Real faithful in our church. His kids were in our teen group. And I remember, I said, well, y'all excited about Christmas? It was Thanksgiving. They said, I said, do you have a lot of presents under the tree? Is your tree up? Yeah, our tree's up. You have a lot of presents under the tree? And then they said, we did. I said, what do you mean, you did? They said, well, um, we asked our dad if we could open one on Thanksgiving. We opened one, then we said, can we open another one? Can we open it up? They opened every gift on Thanksgiving. They had nothing left to open on Christmas. And he, he was, he was, he was, he was, what's the guy? A Grinch. He didn't go buy more presents. You open them all Thanksgiving. Let me encourage you. Save something to Open. For your wedding day. Amen. If you open all the presents. You don't have anything to open on the wedding day. Where's that in the Bible? It's, it's, it's in the maps back here somewhere. <laughs> notice what Paul tells Timothy here quickly. In 1 Timothy chapter number 4. Paul is telling the young pastor Timothy. Notice what he says in verse 12. Let no man despise thy youth. But be thou an example of the believers in word, conversation, charity, spirit, faith. There's the word, purity. Then look down to chapter five, verse two. The elder women, treat the elder women as mothers. He's speaking to Timothy. The younger women, younger as sisters with all purity. So we're to act like brothers and sisters here. Twice it says the word purity. Verse 22, Paul says, Timothy... Don't ask God to keep you pure. The last phrase of verse 22, 522, keep thyself pure. So God looks at us and says, Now I'm telling you, flee fornication, it's what Joseph did. Uh, keep yourself pure because God will get more glory, and you're going to have to work at it harder than ever. When I was a kid, you couldn't find a dirty magazine anywhere. Not that I was looking, but I'm just saying. They were not available. Somebody had to be 21, go to some store, buy a dirty magazine, put it in a brown paper bag, sneak it home for somebody to look at. We didn't have the cell phones. I still remember my mother, we had two television channels. I don't know if it's I Love Lucy. Someone, the scene opened on the TV show, they were in a bubble bath. Bubbles were everywhere, but it was a woman in the bubble bath. You couldn't see anything, but she was in the bubble bath. I still remember my mother saying, we're turning that off right now. We're not going to allow filth in our house. A woman in a bubble bath. In some churches, that would be in a ladies' conference skit these days. A woman in a bubble bath covered with bubbles. We've come a long way. Well, it's not the bad cuss word. Let's just leave the movie on. Well... It's not, it's not total nudity. Let's just keep watching the movie. Maybe, maybe this scene will pass soon. I know they're both getting in bed together, but you can't see anything. Let's just keep the show on. We've allowed and allowed and allowed a lot of junk in our homes. What's well, Disney? Uh, let me just tell you, that it's gonna shock you. Walt Disney was not a Christian man. I've read his biography. I'm sure all of you have read his biography from cover to cover to make sure. And a lot of his workers were not Christians. Just because it's Disney or Pixar doesn't mean it's a stamp. Everything's fine with the show. Pastor, what got into you? The saints aren't playing tonight. I'm mad. (laughs) Christmas just passed. I almost preached on this. Didn't have time. The star of the show outside of Jesus in the nativity would be uh, who do you think? I mean, the most, most revered. Who? Mary. And we give her a title, starts with the letter V. We call her the Virgin Mary. You think that had anything to do with God picking her as the mother of Jesus? You think if her and Joseph had moved in together and committing fornication together, you think maybe he had said, Boy, I did want you, but I think I'm going to find somebody else. I think it had passed over her. The miracle is not she was a virgin. The miracle in the story was was not a miracle. God picked someone that was chaste. Someone that was chaste. I'm winding down. Here we go. Several years ago, and I told the story about Brother Andy today. Nicole texted me, thanks for mentioning Andy. So years ago, there was this woman that came to our church, and something like this has happened in different forms, but very attractive woman, visited the church. So after the service, I'm, I'm walking down here, and I'm getting ready to head out. Pastor, I'm a visitor. Can I talk to you a minute? Well, sure, sure, sure. Crocodile tears. She's telling me all about how she was hurt as a child and never knew real love and and two or three broken marriages and broken heart and the addictions and all that. I mean, she's crying and crying. Now people are leaving. They're going on bus routes. Nursery workers are leaving. Uh, People are heading out to lunch. And all of a sudden I look around and it's me and this young lady right here in the church alone. I was trying to leave, and she's got me cornered, and she's, she's telling me her whole life story and crying and crying and crying. And I say, This isn't good. I'm in a building alone with someone I don't know well, and she's very attractive. Then I looked in the back. Guess who's standing in the back? Brother Andy Lugo. Guarding my back, guarding my name. Making sure there was no accusation because he was keeping his eyes on this conversation. Remember on the way out, I said, thanks. Wouldn't it be great if everyone in our church said, we're not going to let any of our friends mess up. We're not going to let it happen here. We're going to guard. We're going to safeguard. We're going to keep an eye on friendships and love and pray. And if we see something starting to develop, we're going to say something to them. Wouldn't it be great if we had that same care for each other? Tiger Woods, the golfer, said this. By the way, I'm against golf. Just against it. Mark Twain said, golf is a waste of a good walk. (laughs) They never mow the grass when I where I hit the golf ball. That's why I'm against it. And then, then I get wet trying to find the ball, too. You know, that lake is deep. Tiger Woods said this. This is after he was. Ten women came forth, said he had been with them. This is after his wife divorced him, got their $10 million mansion, hired the bulldozer, and bulldozed that house. This is after that, he said this, I thought the rules did not apply to me. I have hurt a lot of people, and I was wrong. Here's some practical things. Pastor, what can we do then practically? Here we go. Number one, if you're a guy, control your eyes. Control your eyes. Proverbs 31.1, here's what the Bible says. I made a covenant with mine eyes. Why should I look upon a maid? So here's what, here's what he said. Here's what, here's what Job said. He had lost his kids. His wife's angry. He's buried 10 kids. He said, guess what I had to do? He's a full-grown man. Are you ready? Are you ready? Here we go. Okay, we're talking about the Bible, not football. He said, I had to make a covenant with my eyes. I had to decide, I had to tell them where to look. We men will battle it the rest of our lives. Someone walks by, we look. If they look attractive, we're tempted to look again. Jesus said, if a man look and lust after a woman, Matthew 5:28. He's committed adultery already with her in his heart. We have to battle it all the time. You're gonna have to control your eyes in public, at the mall, at work, with television, around town. You're gonna have to make a covenant. These eyes don't look at half naked women, these eyes don't look again. Make a covenant, number two. Ladies, be modest. The Bible says a woman is not to defraud a man. Defraud means to stir up an appetite that cannot rightly be fulfilled. What's that mean? When you get dressed? Now, for the most part, now, I had ladies say, I've got trouble lusting after men. I said, okay, all right. But... But for the most part, it's the opposite. Most of the time, it's men less than after women. What's that mean? So when you ladies get dressed, look in the mirror and say, Am I modest? Is it too tight? Is it too low? Is it too short? Is it like a prostitute? Is it something that's worldly? Is it something that would cause someone to think I am not married happily? And you want to look at it. Sit in a chair, cross your legs. Oh, you're modest. Stand in front of a mirror, bend over, pick something up. You, you just want to look at every outfit. You say, "How come?" Because you want to glorify God in your body, Amen. In your body, number one, men control your eyes. Number two, girls be modest. Number three, bathe in the Bible. Psalm one, nineteen, verse nine. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? How can a young man win this battle? How in the world are you listening? How in the world? You young man, how are you going to have a good marriage one day? How are you going to keep pure? You're going to have to bathe in this book right here. This is it right here. There was a man years ago, came to our church in Louisiana. We had long talk. He had cheated on his wife I don't know how many times. And I asked him, I said, tell me the story. He said, my grandfather brought pornography home. I've looked at it since age four. I fill my mind with pornography. By the way, every one of us men has a choice to look as much as we want, but guess what it's doing? It's sowing seeds in your mind and the crop comes up and the battle gets tougher. If the picture's never put in the mind, Satan can never bring those pictures back up. I still remember a scene in the very last theater movie. I don't go to theater movies anymore. I was 15 years of age. I still remember this wicked scene burned in, my, uh, burned in my mind. I don't know how many times that scene has come up. If I'd never seen it, he couldn't bring it back up. It's true. Amen. So I told the man, I said, you want victory? He said, yep, what I do? Back then there were no CDs, but there were cassette Bibles. Bible read on cassette. He put it on repeat, and he played it all night long, every night. It just played all night long. Months and months and months, flushing out all the filth. I saw him maybe five or six years later. I said, how you doing? His wife forgave him somehow and took him back. How you doing? Let's put our phones up, please. Thank you. You can look at your phone all you want out in the hallway. Just, just enjoy it. Once the building's locked, we all leave. Stay in the hallway, look at your phone. You'll have a great time. Here's what he told me. He said, my son has now surrendered to the mission field. He said, it's still a battle, but I've not messed up once since we talked. Either it's possible or it's not. Either the Christian life works or it doesn't. It's a major battlefield, but it can Be one. Number one, guys, control your eyes. Number two, girls, be modest. Number three, bathe in the Bible. Number four, don't compliment the opposite gender. Ladies, don't tell a man, my, you look handsome, what a great suit. Why? Because his wife probably doesn't even tell him that. Men, don't compliment girls or teenage girls or other women. How come? Maybe no one else is complimenting them. You don't want them to get the wrong idea. What's that mean? Don't compliment anybody. Bless <laughs> this brother Johnson, you're ugly too, or something like that. <laughs> Number f- uh, five, decide what you're going to do with your television. Decide what you're going to do with your television. You say, what do you mean? Is TV now all of a sudden wrong? Uh, what does the word TV stand for? You ready? Here's my definition testing virtue. Do you have the power to turn it off or change the channels? Do you have that much strength? Can you do this? Most Baptists cannot. Rock music comes on. That's the music of rebellion. Most Baptists can't change the channel. There's a Taylor Swift, half naked or mostly naked. And she's the halftime show at the, uh, at the, at the, uh, at the Super Bowl. Uh, well let's, well, let's watch it. There's cheerleaders and many... No, can't change that. Bedroom scenes. Immorality. People half-naked. You've got to decide. If we're going to have one, we're controlling it. If we cannot control it, we're getting rid of it. Amen. Just a thought. But if you don't want to be pure when you get married, it doesn't really matter. Watch all you can. Watch all the filth you can. Watch it all. Give it to your kids. Let them watch it. Give them a TV in their bedroom. Let them all have a TV, a cable vision, all the channels, uh, 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 HBO. Let 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 them watch everything so they can fully be immersed in the world as they graduate from high school and never come back to church. Number next, stop talking so much to the opposite gender. If you're single, it's okay. It's called dating. <laughs> you know, you're looking around, but I'm saying if you're married, stop talking so much to the opposite gender. Okay, that's not going over. And then last, be accountable. When it's no one's business who looks at your phone, you got problems, you're up to no good. If you're a teenager and your parents cannot take your phone at any time and say, let me see what you've been looking at. Let me uh, look at your searches. Let me look at this. When you're upset about that, you're up to no good. People who will not be accountable are sneaking around doing something they shouldn't be doing. You want to be able to be accountable. That's Internet. That's telephone calls. That's uh, all these things. So that's kind of the thoughts. Here tonight, it's going to take work if you're going to be pure in an impure society. The word pure is almost extinct. It's almost like dinosaurs. People hear of a girl or a guy walking the aisle to get married and they say they've never slept with anybody. They've been pure their whole life. People say, we never knew that happened anymore. That's our goal that's our goal because every immoral relationship weakens a future marriage now what's that mean here's a conclusion here that means if you're a parent you got kids at home we better tighten some things up or your kids looking at porn well i don't know do they have a phone they would never do really would you when you were a kid? Are people sending them porn? Are people sending them pictures? Are they playing games that have form-fitting, half-naked women on the video games? Stirring up lustful eyes. Are they listening to music that's pornographic? We're going to have to guard this thing. Paul said if we're going to give God the glory, flee fornication. If you're here tonight, I'm just throwing it out. I've not been in anybody's house in this uh, church. If you're living with someone and you're in love with someone, marry them. Amen. Stop living together if you're not married. Amen. Marry, make a commitment. Put a ring on their finger. If they're good enough to live with, they ought to be good enough to marry. If not, kick them out. You move out, find the right one. That's what Paul said. So blame him. Pastor loves you. Paul doesn't. And it's right here.